With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the 1865 match report as we look back on Forest's 1-1 draw at Bournemouth. The Reds came back to earn a point at the Vitality Stadium, having gone behind early in the game. But a goal from Callum Hudson-Odoi, a fine strike from the edge of the area, was enough to secure Forest a point against, in the end, a 10-man Bournemouth, as we will come on to. It's Stephen here and I've got Adam with me. And first of all, Adam, we'll take a look at the team news. And there was quite a bit of it as well. Forrest making six changes from the team that lost at home to Arsenal with Matt Sells making his debut in place of Matt Turner in goal. Obviously, deadline day signing Matt Sells from Strasbourg. Another deadline day signing, Gio Reyna on the bench. But plenty of changes in the team, which meant that Forrest lined up with Sells in goal, a back four of Nico Williams, Obviously, no Gonzalo Montiel after his mistake against Arsenal. Omar Deli and Murillo centre-halves. Nuno Tavares at left-back. Yates and Dominguez in the middle. No Mangala as well, now hit following his deadline day move. Callum Hudson-Odoi, Gibbs-White and Alanga in front of the midfield two. And Taiwo Awani starting up front. It looks like Chris Wood has got some sort of hamstring injury, which meant that he wasn't involved in this game. On the bench, we had Turner and Vlacadimos, Harry Toffolo, Felipe, Moussinia Carte returning from AFCON duties, Gio Reyna, Danilo, Montiel and Rodrigo Ribeiro, another signing this week on loan from Sporting Lisbon. He was on the bench. So, Adam, your first thoughts on that Forest team then and the changes made? No real surprises in terms of goalkeeper. There was just a doubt whether Matt Sells's work permit would come through on time. It did, and he was in the net. Yeah, I mean, Sky Sports News, you know, whipping the Forest fans up into a frenzy before the game, uh, reporting that he wouldn't get his work permit, he wouldn't be able to play. Um, 
But yeah, no, it was a re- it was definitely a relief to see his name on the team sheet. Uh, I mean, the team was exactly exactly the team that we would have expected. You know, there's a few people around me disappointed that you know Jay Rayner didn't start, but you know you've got that the the, fo- the front line that we put out. You've got two natural wingers. Obviously, Jay Rayner is a winger that can can play out wide. He's better as a number ten, but he can play out wide. So for me, I think having Hudson Odoi and Alanga out wide with Gibbs White in the ten behind Awini, I still think that that is our four. That is the you know the four two three one. That's the three one that is the best that we have to offer. Jay Rayner, I'm sure, will come into that and he will figure in there some way. But you know, it's difficult to argue against that really. And it was it was nice to see Ribeiro on the bench purely because. I think there was some sort of a suspicion from a lot of fans that maybe he'd be eased in and he, then he was on the bench and actually came on. So uh, that's definitely a positive sign going forward. But in the game itself, Forrest didn't start particularly well. Bournemouth were on top pretty much from kickoff and it was an early goal from Bournemouth that gave them the lead five minutes. A corner that was whipped into the near post, flicked on by Sinistera. And at the back post, Justin Clivert was there to knock it over the line. I think it would have gone in anyway without his intervention, but he made sure. And it was not a good start from Forrest and really another poor goal that they've conceded. Set pieces always feel preventable, but this one certainly did as well, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, this, the set piece coach we've brought in... in- <laughs> It must be a work in progress because it, it certainly doesn't seem to have worked so far. We're still conceding goals from set pieces. I mean, you're always going to. I mean, you can bring whoever you want and you're still going to concede from set pieces. But this one felt really avoidable. Flick on at the near post and, you know, Clive just sort of toe it in at the end. Um, for me, I, I was really hoping that he was offside. <laughs> Even in, in the ground, sort of looked over and I've, he's flicked it on and I thought, oh, you know, because he has touched that in, maybe he's offside. But no hint of outside whatsoever. There was a few, you know, tweets, and there's, there's always going to be tweets of this nature. But there's a few tweets saying the goalkeeper shouldn't be on his line, but nothing the goalkeeper can do about them. You know, he can't come for that. If he comes for that, he does. He doesn't get there, and he looks worse. He does the right thing, stays on his line, but there's nothing he could have done. Just poor defending all around, really. And the first 15 minutes were were slow to get going. Yeah, and Forrest was struggling to really build attacks and hold on to the ball. And actually, that was a regular theme throughout the game. But most notably in that first 15 minutes when Forrest really struggled to get a foothold. But gradually, as the game wore on, they they came more into it. And there were a couple of chances for a one-year. He he was played in. I think it was Nico Williams played it in. He then took a shot with his left foot, which was saved by Neto. And then Nico Dominguez won the ball high up the pitch, fed it to a one-year through ball. He then knocked it past his defender, beat him for pace, got into the box, but his shot, it looked like he was trying to curl it far corner, didn't get the connection right, and it was a tame effort that was easily saved by Neto. And then a couple of minutes later, Senezi went in on Callum Hudson-Odoi and absolutely clattered him. It was a really bad tackle, and... I mean, I put down in my notes that had Willie Bolly been on the pitch, he'd have probably been sent off for it. And it was a, yeah, it it was a bad tackle. I think there was always going to be more scrutiny on the referee performance in this game after what happened in the reverse fixture. But there were a couple of meaty tackles that went in and 
obviously Bournemouth were, were not holding back as we saw later on in the game. Bournemouth, from the start, I mean, it, it seemed like it was a game plan for me that they like giving away those, you know, those niggly, ratty little fouls where they're just, they're just those sort of, I'm going to trip you up from behind or I'm going to do this little tackle just to stop your progression and that sort of thing. They did that all game. They did it from minute one. And the referee, I, I, I think the first half didn't have a bad game. I think you know, the Sinesi challenge on Hudson Adoy was what I'd call a strong yellow card. Uh, not quite, not a red card, but a strong yellow card. Um, but it was like that. It was a, it was a progression for the first half. Those little fouls, those little sort of, we just want to stop you advancing the ball, sort of tackles, tactical challenges. And like I say, like it was a theme throughout the game. And the re- the way you stop that is that you book people early on. I mean, this season in the Premier League, we've seen it's the most yellow cards up to this point in the Premier League season. It's referees being stricter. It's referees sort of not taking any anything at all. You know, a bit of back chat to the ref or those little tackles and stuff. It's a yellow card straight away. It's not. It's no messing. And just felt first half that the, the ref sort of let a lot go. And the more that she let go, the more it gave Bournemouth ammunition to continue playing that way. And that was really hard for us to sort of overcome in the first half. I thought what Rebecca Welch did well, actually, was try and let the game flow. And it, But it is a fine balance between letting the game flow and also pulling up those niggly fouls and challenges that perhaps should be given yellow cards and deterring teams and players from doing those sort of niggly things, which can be frustrating, particularly when it, it feels one-sided. And at times it, it, it perhaps did. But Forrest in that second half did improve and a couple of minutes before the break had a chance through Alanga down the right-hand side. He played the ball back in for Ryan Yates, who was in the box, but his shot was straight at the keeper. And then just as the clock ticked round to 45 minutes, Forrest got their equaliser and it was a free kick on the far right touchline, hoisted in high into the box to, towards Murillo, who was at the back of the the pack of players in the box. He scrapped to get a hold onto the ball and get it to hudson Adoy. He won the ball back off a Bournemouth defender, cut inside and then bent a shot low into the bottom corner that Neto had no chance of saving. A brilliant goal. And I'm pleased again that hudson Adoy stepped up there and and delivered something for us because that was a, a real moment of quality. Yeah, I mean, what I love about this goal is his desire to win the ball back as well. Because if he doesn't win the ball back where he does, Bournemouth are on the break and we we didn't have a lot of players back. You're looking in a, a dangerous situation. But, you know, he desired to get that ball back. Then he sort of puts it onto his right foot, bends it in the far corner. And from where we were, I say sat, obviously it's where you're getting more stood. But where we were stood, as soon as the, as soon as the ball left his boot, it was in. You know, he's bent it perfectly, no chance for Neto in goal. And and this is a prime example of what Callum Hudson Odoi can do. And I think it's why there was a lot of frustration in the ground at Hudson Odoi because he will try things that don't work. And sometimes people get frustrated when he tries something that doesn't work. But I would always rather have a player like Hudson Odoi in my team than against me because he's got that ability just to love that one bit of magic. You know, like you say, we didn't create an awful lot in the first half other than the eighth chance, but this was created purely by him, won the ball back, took the player on, bent it in the far corner, and it was definitely a 
a good goal going into half time. And to be honest, I think as the game wore on in the first half, I think it was a fair half time result. Yeah, Forest had created some chances and they, uh, and they were more in the contest by that point. So I think, yeah, I, I think 1 1 at half time was fair. So in the second half, Forest came out, no changes made at the break. And not not a great deal happened in the first 10 minutes or so of the first half. But then we get to, what, 53 minutes. And this is where the t- one of the first real talking points around the referee and, and the officiating on the day comes into conversation. So Nicholas Dominguez, he was tripped by Justin Clivert. Justin Clivert was already on a booking. Nothing was given for the trip, which you could argue... Should have been. Clivert then shoves Omobamadeli in the back. Omobamadeli speaks to the referee and gets booked for it. Cliver isn't booked and he's immediately substituted. The Bournemouth bench obviously saw what happened, reacted and thought, we've got to get him off. He's got away with one there and they hauled him off. And essentially he did get away with one because I, I, looking back over that incident, I, I was struggling to see how Cliver got away with what essentially were two bookings in the space of 30 seconds. If you don't book him for the trip, you certainly book him for the shove on Omobama Deli. Well, that first one was, it was more frustrating because the one on Dominguez, I mean, that it was one of those where you stop in the counter attack, you know, it's a cynical little trip, stop the counter attack, it's yellow card. The one on Omobama Deli was, you know, I think it was still a yellow card, probably, but maybe less so than Dominguez one. But the frustrating thing about this is that, you hear it all the time in punditry. You hear it all the time when you speak to people on, you know, social media or in person or down the pub, wherever you, the conversation is always the same. People say the exact same phrase. Don't know if it was a second yellow. And it, it, it frustrates me so much because there's, there should be no such thing as a difference between a yellow and a second yellow. If it's a yellow card, if that foul individually is a yellow card and that leads to a red, that's on the player. The player knows. Clivert knows he's on a yellow card. Clivert knows that he's on a fine line. He had been warned before, by the way, before this. He was on a yellow and he had a foul before this. And the ref had a longer sort of word with him. So he had been warned. And if if she did send him off, she would have been well within his right to do so. The issue I think I have here is that referees seem fairly concerned to make that second yellow card decision as we saw with the Willy Bolly incident because if you make the second yellow card decision VAR can't step in so I think that was the big decision in the game well one of the one of the two big decisions in the game that she really really did get wrong and you know this is not me or anybody else saying that you know this this is why we didn't win the game etc but it's a massive turning point it's so early in the second half as well and it would have made a massive difference if she got that decision right. Yeah, and the, and the key thing is there, we, do, we don't want to go down the, the whole complaints again because it, it does feel like we've always got something to complain about with the, with the officials at the moment. But you're right in that Forrest would have been playing against 10 men for, for longer than they actually were. We'll come on to the Philip Billing, Billing incident shortly. But it does. It changes the game. It changes the complexion of the game and, and potentially how Forrest approach it, having essentially 40 minutes to play against 10 men rather than 
what it was in the end, which was about 10 or 12 minutes against 10 men. Yeah, the, 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 there's something there in in the way that the rules are applied. And it probably is, coming back to that Willie Bolly incident now, a fear from referees that they could potentially get it wrong and VAR isn't there to to bail them out, if you like. So it, it is frustrating, but it is it is what it is, really. So in that second half, I can't really think of many opportunities that either team had. I don't remember either goalkeeper making a save either. It felt very much like it was a game where the defences were more on top. And I think it's worth mentioning at this point the performance of Murillo, who was excellent against Dominic Solanke. Bournemouth likes to play balls into the channels and get quick balls in behind down those sort of right and left channels. Every time they were looking for Solanke in those areas, Murillo was there coming across, winning the ball first and and not giving him an inch really. It was it was really on the ground, probably his most commanding performance I've seen in a forest shirt so far. I think I'm gonna say this and it and it might sound like a sweeping statement. I'm saying this to every forest fan. Enjoy Murillo while he's here. And that, that sounds really negative, but he's 21 years old, 22, 21, 22, and he's come into the Premier League and adapted so quickly. And his first couple of games, I think he was just trying a bit too much, but you know now he's really settled in. He is a top, top Premier League centre-back. And we're, on a financial standpoint, we're really lucky because we've signed into a long-term contract. So if he does leave the summer coming or maybe the summer after, we're going to get a hefty chunk, like bit of change for him. And we didn't pay a lot for him in the first place. So what a player he was. He was outstanding on the day. Like you said, he was, he was like glued to Solanke. Every time Solanke tried to get in behind, tried to get down the channel, even, even in the air, when they were putting the ball with Solanke, he's quite good in the air. He wasn't winning anything, wasn't coming down with anything. I mean, this is a striker that's one of the most informed strikers in the Premier League, you know, scoring goals for fun against everybody. And, you didn't hear a peep from him all game. Um, I do want to shout out Amman Delhi as well, because I feel his performance went a bit under the radar just because of how good Murillo's performance was. That centre-back partnership, I mean, you think how young both of them are as well. That's a centre-back partnership that could be the Forest back line for years to come. And I think, to be honest, when Bolly and Neocarte, obviously Neocarte's back now, but when they get back into the fold, they're going to really struggle and they're going to have to work really hard to get the way back in that team because I don't see how either of them get back in at the minute. I think probably Neocarte comes back in first, maybe from Abamidali, which for me would be a bit harsh, but we're going to have to see what the future comes. But it's very exciting as a Forest fan to have these two fantastic young centre-halves um, marshalling that back line. Couple of changes that Forrest made in that second half. Danilo came on for Nicolas Dominguez. And then shortly after that, we had Gonzalo Montiel on for Nico Williams and Gio Reyna coming on to make his Forrest debut in place of Anthony Alanga. With Reyna looking to go more to the left hand flank and Hudson Adoy moving over to the right. Not really a lot in terms of action and, and goal scoring chances still. So the the next real talking point was 83 minutes. Forrest won the ball back, turned Bournemouth over. Callum Hudson Odoi was sprinting away through the middle of the park, being chased by Philip Billing, and the Bournemouth midfielder rakes his studs down the back 
of Hudson Odoi's Achilles. Eventually, Hudson Odoi limps off the field, and we hope that that is not a serious injury. But Billing was shown a red card, deservedly so in the circumstances. And it was an appalling tackle, wasn't it? Because there's no attempt at all to win the ball. He knows exactly what he's doing. And actually, doing that to a player who's quite openly had problems with his Achilles in the past, I think is a really poor move. I think it was disgusting. You know, like you say, Callum Hudson-Odoi has had several problems with his Achilles. Um, and I, and, I, and the, the thing is, I I've seen online the Bournemouth opinion because I want, I, just, I want, I was intrigued and I wanted to see what the Bournemouth side of things would be. And there's a lot. Most Bournemouth fans are pretty reasonable. In the ground, they were frustrated, but once they've been home, once they've seen the highlights, they've sort of gone, yeah, you know what, fair enough. But there is a few opinions that it's a soft red card. I, I can't get even close to that opinion because for me, he knows exactly what he's doing. It is cynical. It's a horrible challenge. When you watch it in real time, it's hard to actually see what happened exactly. There's a certain angle that I've seen that they've shown and it's a bit slowed down. I know slow down makes stuff look worse, but in this instance, I think it actually helps. He's he's literally put the he's just put his studs into the back of his Achilles. Now, you don't need to if you want to be a, a little cynical fan to stop the move, right? If you want to do that, just take just trip him up, take his legs from him, just, just a little trip up. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna injure the player, you're not gonna hurt him, whatever. You get a yellow card, you move on, right? You've stopped the attack, that's fine. But to do that, premeditated, to do that so disgustingly on Callum it was it was genuinely so infuriating in the ground and I think a lot of Bournemouth fans I'll give them their sort of credit on this they didn't probably see it the same way we did because from our end and where we're sat we saw the the challenge and you know there was Bournemouth fans on the other end of the ground that's where the songs were emanating from that you're not fit to referee all that sort of stuff it was from the end of the ground that wouldn't have been able to see that challenge because from their side it wouldn't have looked that bad but VAR checked it, obviously never going to overturn that, complete red. But my disappointment comes when we look at the reaction from the red card because the reaction from the Forest team for those next, what was seven minutes at a time, so 15 minutes, let's say, rounded it up. From the 14, 15 minute display, just wasn't urgent enough, wasn't good enough, didn't take advantage at all of the 10 men. And, you know, we've we've now not scored a goal against a team that have gone down to 10 men with us since you know, this season when players have been sent off. We haven't scored in that time. So we're not taking advantage of that enough. And I think a big problem in the game today was that it just wasn't quick enough. It was slow. It was methodical. You know, It was Morgan Gibbs-White breaking at pace and then he's looking and he, he has to stop because there's no one there. And you know, Alanga would usually give us that burst of pace, but in my opinion today, I, I don't think he was fit. I think that was the biggest problem of Alangra. I don't think he was fit. Um, at least not 100% anyway. Um, hopefully he gets back to full form. But yeah, we just need to be quicker. We need to be with a bit more urgency. We need to have a bit more sort of get into that final third. I mean, second half, I don't think the key, either keeper had anything to do. You know, I don't remember a time of test netto. I mean, even when 25, 30 yards out a couple of times, you've got an opportunity to take the shot and we're trying to overwork it. Just, Work the goalkeeper, give him something to do, keep him on his toes. So yeah, extremely frustrating red card and extremely. I want to. I'll be very nice to Philip Billing and say naive is a very. I'm accusing him of a lot by saying naive, but very naive decision by Philip Billing. And then 
14, 15 minutes that went after it were frustrating from a forest attacking standpoint. And it is something that is a concern that Forest are struggling from from open play like that against 10 men. They had plenty of the ball, but never really looked like stretching Bournemouth or really testing them and making them hang on in those last 10, 15 minutes. And in the end, Forest had to settle for a point. It's a point which moves them up to 16th in the table. So they're back above Luton now on 21 points. Two points clear of Everton, who currently occupy the final relegation spot. The 1865 Match Report. 2024 is upon us, which means a packed schedule of FA Cup, AFCON and, of course, Premier League action. Beat the January Blues and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down at your local Green King Sports Pub. Don't settle for a dodgy stream. If it's on the telly, it's on at your local Green King venue across that huge HD screens. Huge. If you download the Green King Sports app, you'll also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on. And you'll also be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. If you're doing dry January, then Green King venues also offer a range of low and no alcohol options, so you don't have to settle for a worse sports watching experience. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Hello, this is John Spark from the Cherry's Red Army YouTube channel. So the game finished 1-1. Um... I think a draw is a fair result because neither team, I feel, really did enough to win the game. It was one of the poorest quality games I think I've seen in quite some time. That was probably Bournemouth's worst performance of the season. But I think under Nuno, I'd be surprised if Forrest have produced a worse attacking display than that one. Defence is very much on top. Having said that, when the game started off the first 10 minutes, Bournemouth score with a set piece and it with our press I thought we were going to start running away with the game but after the first sort of 10 to 15 Forrest grew into the game started gaining a bit more control um, ended up obviously with more possession by certainly in the first half and definitely the end of the match but neither team really showed any quality going forward for Bournemouth Sinistera was the only one that looked like he might produce something for us occasionally combining with Cliver um, and then for Forrest I don't think any of your attackers did anything, really. Your Langer was completely nullified by Kelly. It was a very impressive performance from him. Um, Awanyi was actually pretty much marked out of the game by Zabani, who I think had a very impressive game, apart from those couple of moments where Awanyi did actually have t- those two shots in the first half, but he, he slipped for one and put, sent the other one straight to the keeper. So not very good from him at all. hudson Adoy really didn't do anything, uh, and neither did Morgan Gibbs-White didn't really get himself into the important positions in the attacking third to, to, to produce anything for Forrest. All of that being said, the one true moment of quality in the game was Callan Hudson-Odoi's goal. We had three chances to deal with that. Christie losing the ball, Smith not going with him, and Zabani getting done by the dummy. But take nothing away from Hudson-Odoi's finish. It was the 
only really good moment of the entire game. For Forrest, the only players that, well, I say the only players, the ones that really stood out for me were Dominguez in midfield um, and Murillo and Omed Bamadele in at the at, in defence because Solanke did nothing in the game. He was completely marked out of it. Murillo was incredibly impressive um, and Omebamedele really helped him out um, as well in the defence, cutting out a lot of uh, crosses and just helping deal with the with the other scraps that were around. Um, but Dominguez, I think for me, uh, his shithousery got a little bit frustrating for me going down on, on off barely anything, but generally tackling maintaining possession, controlling large chunks of the midfield, I thought was very impressive. So it's either Murillo or Dominguez for me for, for man of the match. Annoying thing for me is I do have to talk about some parts of controversy for the game because um, Cliver, on the balance, I don't think deserved to be sent off because of his first yellow, which I don't think was a yellow. And then the second yellow was definitely a yellow. So, you know, I think on balance... I wouldn't have wanted him sent off, but given the first yellow, he definitely should have been sent off from the second. And then Billing, I've got no qualms with. He doesn't. He's not going for the ball. He isn't trying to clip Hudson Odoi. He takes his boot and rakes it down the stu- uh, rakes it down the Achilles of of Hudson Odoi. I mean, if that was a yellow, it wasn't getting overturned. But given that it was given as a red, it also wasn't getting overturned. And I don't have any qualms with it personally. Um, speaking of which, it was nice to have a game that didn't have VAR get involved. Um, which is which is a rare occurrence these days. Overall, like I said, one of the lowest quality games I've I've seen for a while. Um, certainly under Iriola, and I imagine you'd have said the same under Nuno. But just a just a bit of a nothing event for the most part. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Thanks to John from Cherry's Red Army, and welcome back to the 1865 match report. So looking back on this draw at Bournemouth, Adam, and the big change was no Matt Turner in goal. Now Matt Sells has come in after his deadline day move. And I thought he put in quite a solid performance on his debut. He looked confident and he looked assured. And it seemed like the defence had more confidence in him as well, which early on is is a positive sign. I I don't think he did anything wrong at all. Um, the go- the goal itself I mean I don't think he could do anything about and other than that I don't really think Bournemouth tested him too much but just from the little bits that he did do he gets his foot on the ball and he picks out well what what was on the day a uh, blue and white shirt but he picks out a Forest player when he when he pings the ball out and that's what I was watching for today the the back line felt really comfortable to go back to him Every time he distributes the ball, he he plays it to a Forest player. And I think that's kind of what you're looking for. I mean, just on a base level, I think that's what we're looking for because a a modern-day Premier League goalkeeper, that's what they've got to be able to do. And it's not something that Matt Turner could do. And having a backline that believes in a goalkeeper and is confident in the goalkeeper and thinks that I can go back to my goalkeeper from in trouble, that's so invaluable. I mean, that's such an important thing for them to have. So... Definitely positive positive signs moving forward. And look, I mean, our group chat that we have, and I'm sure in a lot of your group chats, listeners, you've had discussions about Matt Sells and thought, you know, is he the best option? Is you know, could we have gone for this person, that person, this person? I can. It, it seems as if the media coming out of this that we went for everyone. We went for De Gea. We went for um, Castiles from Wolfsburg. You know, we've gone for you know really good goalkeepers we've gone through 
some some potentially elite level goalkeepers. We tried to get Ramsdale, Kelleher. It's not as if we haven't tried to get these bigger names. But what I'll praise Matt Sells for is that he's come in, you know, five million quid, put in a good shift in his first game, and given the Forest fans, especially a lot of people that are at the ground, a lot of confidence in their goalkeeper again, and that's exactly what we need, that stability. Just looking at the the game as a whole then and and the the final result, is there potential here to look at this as a missed opportunity? And should Forrest have pushed more for the win? Mm. The reason I'm asking mm. that is because of any potential mm. points deductions that come down the line. Mm. Forrest have just got to get wins wherever they can, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably two ways to look at that. So for me, you've got people panicking. Oh, but Luton are picking up points. Everton's picking up points. And Burnley got a late... doesn't matter what anybody else does. It's completely irrelevant what they do. We're not match, We're not trying to match them. We're trying to be the best us, and we're trying to be the best Forest we can be. You know, ultimately we've got to win games of football for us. We should, we can't rely on other people. We can't rely on Luton not having a resurgence. We can't rely on Everton not having a resurgence. You know, they're fighting, they're scrapping, they're going to do that. That's what they're going to be about. And as far as the points deduction goes, I think we've almost got to play like it's not happening because one, we don't know that it's happening yet for definite, and two. If the players start playing with that in the back of their mind, mistakes will creep in. You know, hesitancy will creep in. And I think, to be honest, the Bournemouth game, it was one of those games where before the game, I don't know if they would have took a point, but it is a tough place to go. They are playing really well at the minute. Maybe a point's not a bad result. And there's an argument to be made that near enough any Premier League away day is a decent point. Because it's hard. it's so hard to get points away from home in the Premier League. But I'd look at it and say that I was disappointed coming out of the ground because of how we played against 10 men and of the general urgency going forward. It did look like we were trying to conserve shape. Whenever Bournemouth had a corner, we brought everyone back. It just it just feels like there's a conservative way that the shackles are still on a little bit, that we're trying not to lose games at the end. And it's... It is frustrating because we have these really gifted attacking footballers and I think we actually do have the personnel to be a, a bit of a free-scoring team, but it's those that hesitancy and that conservative nature that Nuno is doing at the minute with the team, it, I can't help but say I'm frustrated by it at the minute. And I don't think you're the only one either. Whether, again, it does come down to the personnel, Forrest have now lost Chris Wood to a hamstring problem. Tyro Wanyu's only just coming back from injury and I think he, you can tell he's not 100% fit yet. Wingers have been in and out of the team through injury. You've got Gio Reyna who's now coming in but hasn't played a lot of football this season. So you're sort of hoping that the players can get up to speed quickly and, and, and sort of get firing again, really. This week then, Forest play Bristol City next up on Wednesday in the replay of the fourth round FA Cup tie. And that's followed by a game on Saturday, tea time, 5.30 kickoff at home to Newcastle. How do you think those games are going to play out, Adam? Are you looking at the Bristol City game and thinking, well, it's an opportunity to try and get players up to speed and and the likes of Rayner, Alanga, a one-year, a bit more match fitness ahead of the game against Newcastle next weekend? I'm quite torn on it, to be honest, because a part of me is thinking 
on Wednesday against Bristol City. Let's start Ribeiro. Let's start Reina. You know, let's start a couple of young new lads and maybe a couple of the younger lads and let's maybe see who's who who's going to fit into that starting eleven going forward. And but I think the biggest opportunity for the Bristol City game is to just try and take the shackles off a little bit. Just try and say, you know what, go out there and do what you do. Go out there and be a bit more of an attacking force. Not worry so much about conceding goals because you've you know you've got a decent defence back there. You've you've got a goalkeeper you, you can now trust. So I think Wednesday's. I, I don't want to say experiment because that's not what I mean at all. Because I don't want us to experiment with anything. Because I want us to win the game and I want us to progress in a in a competition that I think we have the ability to go deep into, even with Man United next game because it is at home. So I don't want to experiment and just throw the game away, but I do want us to try a few things, you know, get that bit of a, an attacking intent there. Go for it a bit more. Try and get an early goal. Try and build on that. You know, that's my thinking going into it. And it, in the Premier League, we've got two massive home games. Playing a, an out, a, well, I would say an out of form Newcastle. You know, they, they sort of, they pulled out that big result against Villa away, but then, you know, they had to come back from 4-2 down to draw a Luton at home. So they're certainly inconsistent at the minute. And then West Ham the week after. So, you know, they're two massive home games and that's what we look, we should be looking for, you know, progression in the FA Cup and six points. That's got to be the goal. Well, we'll leave our match report there. So thank you, Adam. And we will be back with you after the Bristol City game with our match reports on that one. Until then, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.